3: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Thanks to ESPN's John Keim for joining us on Grant and Danny out here in Ashburn, where we're at the Commander's Complex today, live on the fan. I had teased that I wanted to talk about the quarterback that seems to be moving up draft boards as draft analysts are getting more information. It's funny. People often say, well, how are guys becoming more well-liked while they're not playing football? And I don't think that's the right way to view it. There certainly is helium with prospects occasionally, Danny. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, individual workouts happen, totally. sort of a, a revisiting of certain you know, game film and tape or, or they're, combine they're stuff. They're meeting with
2: teams, Yeah. so they're coming to their facilities, they're meeting at the combine, and some they're working out. They're, they're throwing at the combine potentially, they're running, jumping, doing all those things. For some guys, you want to see how tall they are, they check a box for you. Are you a certain weight, like J.J. McCarthy's weight? from a historical standpoint, is pretty low at 202. There's just not a high number of guys that are below 205 pounds that have had great success at quarterback in the NFL. So there's there's certain things that they could do to improve their stock as the offseason goes on. But I think more than anything else, what normally happens is we just get more information. People are talking to scouts. They're talking to scouting directors. They're talking to GMs and assistants in front offices. And we're finding out okay, teams like this guy more than we thought they were going to. And the guy that I'm talking about is J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, who barely threw the ball at times last year as they just ran the ball right down teams' throats. He was 10 of 18 for 140 yards, as an example, as they scored almost 40 points and won the national championship against Washington. 10 of 18 in a schemed-up 140-yard performance. You know, he actually had a pretty great game against Alabama in the playoff, throwing for three touchdowns and no picks, but it was 17 of 27 for 221. There was a game earlier in the year, I think it was the Penn State game, where he did not throw the ball in the second half. They did not throw a single pass after halftime. They beat Ohio State. He threw just 20 passes was 16 of 20. That's kind of how his year went. If you went and saw him at Maryland this year, you're going, you got to be kidding me. That guy was 12 of 23 with a pick. No touchdowns for Michigan. There's no way he's a top 15 pick. J.J. McCarthy's going in the top 12. Everything I keep hearing, every draft pundit and expert I'm reading, but also just bouncing this idea around folks around football, they all get it. J.J. McCarthy, here's here's what they're saying. Ideal fit for the Shanahan scheme that's kind of taking over the league. Uh-huh. Going to be outstanding in play action. Kind of a um, an athletic Cousins profile almost Right now Kirk Cousins is a good athlete But he doesn't move a lot He's statuesque Stays in the pocket he you know where he's going to be Exceptional passer but not A guy that's going to run around and create a whole lot McCarthy gives you a little bit more of that But he's going to be That kind of player like a yep. Shanahan-esque You Look at Purdy that kind of Dynamic he's 6'3 202 he's going to have to show that he can get up To 208 210 at the combine I think that would help him a lot because that weight is a little bit alarming. It was just 22 touchdowns and four picks in college this year, sub 3,000 yards, believe it or not. But the other thing I keep hearing is that it's like all-world makeup. That like he sits down in an interview and teams are going to fall in love with him. Like you, you just want him to date your daughter. You want him to to you, you want to buy stock in whatever he's selling you. He's like that kind of kid. So I, I'm going to bet right here, right now. If you'll take it, or anybody in you know, the listening, you're going to be surprised. But I think he goes in the top ten. I think it's a lock. He goes in the top twelve.
0: So, in terms of that, that athletic profile, a little bit right. I'm trying to remember the game it was. It was either Alabama, the Washington game, could have been somewhere else, Chiefs. I don't know if you remember this, but he had a really important third down scramble that showed more burst than you thought. I mean, it was it was reminiscent of Purdy uh, in the NFC Championship game where they had to have some of those yards to make it up. And it, you're going, damn! I didn't know he had that gear. Because you never see him do anything, I don't. I don't know if you can blame him. It, it, what fault is it that you're part of this dominant physical mauling uh, offense and you know one of the better defenses in college football? You're not asked to do a whole heck of a lot, right? So prognosticating that is really, really, really hard. But I get that sense, right? You've already heard Jim Harbaugh stump for him uh, at the podium there for for the Chargers. Uh, even though I think he can afford to do that because he's got a guy and there's no danger of. You supplanting, uh, totally. uh, you know uh, Herbert with uh, with JJ McCarthy, but this—he's just not for me. Just because I haven't seen him do anything, but that, so that's-
2: so here's the whole catch. What right. you just said—he was not asked to do very much. That does not mean he can't do very totally. much. totally. And, and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and start advocating for pretending JJ McCarthy is going to be a star. I—it's so hard because it's all projection moving forward. Mm-hmm. And we just, because we didn't see it, like it's a little easier to evaluate guys like May or Daniels or Williams because they were kind of asked to do things. You know, in J.J. Right. McCarthy's case, I, I'm not a scout. Like, it, it's hard for me to forecast things I haven't seen. But yes, he was a caretaker, Mr. Handoff. You know, yes, it was all kind of that pro style play action. But that's what you're asked to do in the league. And I think the point is you're seeing the disciples of Shanahan all over the NFL, and he is viewed as a fit in that offense. So whether that's – Which is half the offenses of the league, basically. Exactly. You know, like a guy like Cliff – not Cliff Kingsbury. um, Clint Kubiak is Mm -hmm. now in New Orleans as their OC. They've got Derek Carr. But, like, again, they're they're picking too low for where I think he's going to go. But – if he's the perfect fit, you're you're right there. You go, okay, we can get out of Derek Carr in a year. Let's stash him. Could the Vikings draft him? Maybe sign Gardner Minshew if Cousins moves on. And now you've got your bridge. And, and maybe it's not right away that McCarthy has to play. Maybe it's midseason, late season. Uh, a team like Atlanta, if they wanted to go get uh, Jacoby Brissett or something like that and draft him in the top ten. I just think... You know, Atlanta's a team, by the way, with another Shana Hinton disciple, yep. like a McVeigh disciple, as their OC. I think people are going to be stunned as we get closer to the draft how much his name comes up.
0: The, th- this is the kind of guy that – and I, I shouldn't be an evaluator. I'm not. I'm just a dude. But this is the guy that I would always miss on. Because, like, coming up as a as a, an athlete that I'm now washed up uh, from decades ago, but, like, I remember a scout coming to one of our games in, in college, and a, the guy that he was looking at – was hitting ninth in our order. Now we get a really good offense, but he's asking people, "Why is he hitting ninth?" Like, well, yeah, the offense is really good. Well, shouldn't he be really good in our offense? Shouldn't he be hitting first or second or third or one of the influential pieces? That'd be nice. No, he was he was our worst hitter, and he platooned sometimes uh, against against lefties. And it's not I'm not running my my buddy down. I'm just simply saying, if he was great, wouldn't wouldn't your best strategy be let him be great? That's something I'll, I'll always hold against him. It's not his fault. It sounds like he's an amazing dude who's at the helm of one of the most dominant college teams we've seen in some time. I just I always miss on that. I I need to see something. I need to see you be counted upon. I need to see comebacks. I need to see the two minute drill. Now again, that Alabama game, he was sensational. Right, Not most of the game, but down the stretch when they needed the touchdown, needed the score. He was really good, good point. in that setting.
2: Early, he really struggled in that game, but he came on strong and made all the plays.
0: Yeah, so the numbers ended up being fine, 17 out of 27. Again, that's that's a half, that's a quarter uh, of college football for Mahomes at Texas Tech. But yeah, we ended up with 221, three touchdowns. And some late game heroics, Scrambles. That, and I'm going. That, okay, that was impressed. That's the first time I've been impressed by him all year. Not his fault, because it's not like he's throwing worm burners. It, it's he's
2: handing it off. To his credit, it seemed like everything they needed, he gave. He them, gave him every time, which most of the time from him was very little. That's when, well put. When they needed, you know, him to turn his fader up to six, he was there. Eight for a quarter, he was there. Back to two, I could do that too. Yeah, it was a lot of that, but. I think more quarterbacks will go in the first round than people think. But that, to me, is the hot noise right now around football and certainly with the plugged-in draft people, Mm -hmm. is that J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, quarterback with the Wolverines, will go in the top 12 or so in this draft, could very well be a top 10 pick. All right, Anthony Lynn, he knows a thing or two about drafting QBs. He was in L.A. with the Chargers when they took Justin Herbert at number 6, was the head coach with the Chargers, with Herbert early on. He's now here as the run game coordinator of the Commanders. And we asked Anthony Lynn when we caught up with him just a little bit ago how he knew Cliff Kingsbury, how this gig came about.
4: You know, I, I knew Cliff back when uh, he was at Texas Tech. I'd go back and i speak to the team from time to time, and I got to know him then. Uh, of course, I'm a Red Raider. I went to Texas Tech. So uh, we knew each other first from my Texas Tech days. But then when he came into the league, yeah, I think he was in New England, I was in Denver. And so uh, I've just known him for years. And uh, I just watched him grow uh, as a young coach and become a coordinator and a head coach. And, uh, and I, I think he's, he's still growing, still evolving. Very humble man. Uh, doesn't try to make you think he has all the answers. He's bringing in you know experienced people around him to help him with that. And uh, I, just, I just like what he stands for. And, and it's going to be cool working with him finally. Coach, what are the similarities between you and Cliff, the way you guys see offense? You know, some things that you say, hey, these are universal truths. We don't know that yet, to be honest with you, because I've been here for a day and a half. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so uh, but right now what we want to do is we want to get all the right pieces on campus. And once we get players here on campus that that we know are going to be here, then we're going to start talking about scheme and how we're going to employ that scheme. And uh, from my experience just watching Cliff from – from uh, uh, you know, way off is he likes to put people in positions to be successful. And I think he's been pretty good at that. And uh, that's definitely part of my philosophy.
2: Just curious to get your reaction. One of the reasons I think you know a lot of us have been excited about you coming is it seems like maybe you can provide a little balance to him in terms of the run game. Now, he says, and, and I think it's fair, if you look at the numbers, he ran the ball plenty with Arizona as well. Mm-hmm. And he says what he did in the league doesn't really – necessarily resemble the air raid but I'm just curious you were in San Francisco where they're as good at it as anybody Detroit where with with Ben yourself Dan you guys were pounding the football do you feel like that's kind of why you're here to help bring that element to Cliff's offense and marry the, the run game and the pass game together I don't
4: think it's simply that element I mean I mean I've rushed for a lot of yours since I've been in this league that's that's for sure but uh like you say in Arizona Cliff finished top 10 a couple times I believe and and running the football and just don't let the spread fool you he will he will hand it off but I am here to help uh, you know just help us execute and help us do whatever it takes to win and yes I'm a run game coordinator but I also will be looking at uh, everything you know with Cliff and so uh, I'm just here to help him any way I can to be honest with you.
2: How do you get to a point and maybe it already is that way because you guys are tight from your as you said being from the same college where maybe couple games go by and you, you just want to say hey what about this you know I was a head coach I was a coordinator I can help you in this regard or is this something we should try do you feel like that's something that's kind of earned over time with him or is that a relationship you might have right away
4: you know I, I don't see why we can't do that right away yeah you know uh, if I bring an ideal to the table and it makes sense uh, you know I'm, I know Cliff let's roll yeah. I mean he just want the best ideas Anthony Lynn with us here on Grant & Danny. You mentioned, Coach, getting the right
0: pieces. Obviously, no names yet. Draft that hasn't happened. What are you looking for, though, in general, in terms of, of a football player that would make sense for you guys and your offense?
4: Well, I mean, like we're evaluating the guys that we have on campus right now. We know we have some good p- pieces on campus right now. But, you know, you can always have more. And, uh, you know, in that backfield, I, I love versatility. You know, I like a guy that can stay on the field for all three downs, a guy that we can hand it off to, a guy that we can throw it to. And... Uh, and in the backfield that's kind of what we're looking for but we just look really looking for good football players and i think what the best thing coaches can do is when you is get the best players on campus you get them on campus and you figure out how to use them you know I, i'm not one of these guys to say this is my system this is what i'm gonna do is i'm not that cookie cutter just give me the best players and i figure out how to use them
2: how far along are you in the kind of film process with this group I'm just curious your thoughts on on brian robinson who's been successful here and then chris rodriguez who had a strong rookie year
4: i'm probably about four hours <laughs> you know like i said i just got here a day and a half ago but uh, i studied brian coming out of alabama i know brian very well and uh, i liked him and i and i, I kind of know what his running style is and what he can do and in, in the areas where i can help him even improve so uh, i'm looking forward to working with the young man because i like his mentality he he want to be good And uh, I'm pretty sure his work ethic will reflect that.
0: I remember from hard knocks years ago, other coaches in your employ would tell the running backs, you better know your assignment because Coach Lynn doesn't mess around with people that don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And you better mind your P's and Q's. I I love that
4: approach and holding guys accountable. Is that something that you've grown into uh, as a coach over the years? It's definitely something I've grown into. I I think when I first got into this coaching gig, it was... uh, I think I got the most out of players out of fear, to be honest with you. You know, but but I, but over the years, you, you you get a little more mature and you realize that you know getting to know the players and being more relational uh, goes a lot further. And it goes a long ways with these guys, and and I can I can coach them. They give me permission to coach them, and a lot of players really never give you the permission to coach them. You know, but when they know you and they trust you, you can coach the hell out of them. If they don't know you, then everything you say is an attack, you know. But if they know me, it's a challenge. And so I think the first thing you got to do is re- relate to these guys and get to know them because they, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so uh, that's what I'm looking forward to is just calling, getting on the phone, calling these guys, taking them to dinner, taking them to lunch, here in the next couple of weeks or so, and just uh, just kind of get to know them that way.
2: Anthony Lynn's the run game coordinator with the Commanders. W- what do you make of – the philosophies now it seems like about not drafting running backs really high. Jameer Gibbs kind of punched a hole in that, I guess, but or not paying running backs the same. Like how the league seems to be trending because you can just find them anywhere.
4: You know, I'm not responsible for all these trends and how they go about who they're going to pay and when they're going to pay them and what century they're going to do it in. You know, but uh, it's it's crazy to think that uh, you can devalue the running back position. You know, you're not going to win a championship without a running game. And we all know that. And and if you can't run the ball, you're in trouble. And when you can run the ball, there's really nothing that you can't do because everything ties to the running game. So uh, you got to have a running scheme. You got to have running backs. They are just as important as anybody on the damn roster. Uh, why they're not getting value the way they used to? Um, you know, maybe because we've moved more to spread. And the numbers are not as big as they used to be because the game has changed a little bit, you know. Uh, uh, you can thank Mike Leach for that, you know, when he, Texas Tech, came out of nowhere, uh, number two in the country because he went to spread and he was beating powerhouse teams, you know. And so uh, uh, what Mike did was he changed the uh, carries to touches. And I don't think people take that into account. It's not about carries and yards. It's about touches. What is that player doing with the touches that he gets, whether I throw it to him or whether I hand it to him? You know, Christian McCaffrey, uh, I think he's a a leader in in that category. You know, you don't have to hand it to him 35 times a game like we used to with Terrell Davis. Give it to him 15 times and throw it to him six or seven more times. Let's see what happens. You know, you get the same production.
2: 30 touches for 160 in the Super Bowl. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. No, Thank you. Anthony Lynn here on Grant and Danny. That was some forethinking thought there late from Lynn. Love that convo, yeah. was kind of viewed more as an old-school run game guy. But talking touches instead of carries, that's the old, if I'm throwing it to Christian McCaffrey and he's catching it every time because it's in the backfield and it's high percentage, what's the difference between that and a handoff? I just want weapons. Get them the football.
0: Get the ball into playmaker's hands. I loved his answer about accountability being a, a lack of a better phrase, being a hard-ass. The players have to give you permission to coach them. What a, what a philosophy.
2: Yeah, it was good. I
0: thought that was just outstanding. He right? was impressive. Really impressive. You, you could see how a guy could be a head coach. You yeah. don't like that that level of discipline. But understanding, you can't just yell at a guy without earning his trust first.
2: I thought that was a great answer. I also got to ask him after the conversation. I didn't have the guts to do it during. Because we thought about it. Here's what happened. Yeah. I thought he wasn't going to remember this at all. And he'd be like, what are you talking about? And it would just be weird. But not only did he remember it, it it was great. But I asked him, because I mentioned this when he got hired, he grills with paper towels. So instead of, like, brushes, he puts paper towels, like, on – I don't know if it would be sticks or exactly what it was. But basically, he bastes his meat, his chicken or whatever, like, with paper towels that he dips in sauces Mm – and I brought that up to him, and he talked about how much cheaper it is than, like, buying nice brushes and stuff. And he's like, that's the way to do it. That's what my grandpa taught me. He remembered it well. He, he claimed it. And he
0: had an answer. And he had
2: an answer. Yeah. He told me why he – because my wife, when he got hired, she, anytime he's over on TV, she goes, that's the guy who, who grills with paper towels. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's him. That's, that's paper towel Lynn. guy. So he's here now. Paper towel guy is here in D.C. Maybe they'll sweep the NFC East for a wet paper towel, bringing together – The Anthony Lynn team and the Grant and Danny Uh version of a sweep. Anthony Rendon does not care that much about baseball.
0: That is the accusation. I
2: want to get into that as we continue on the fan. The OV Chase is back on. And at 6 o'clock this evening, one of the most stunning, frankly, awe-inspiring. Yep. Friend requests in the history of the world.
0: Jaw dropped.
2: Agape is a word that comes to mind. Yep. You're listening to The Fan. With Danny Rouye, I'm Grant Paulson, Darius Dameron, Ryan Clary on the production. I just went back and transcribed that Anthony Lynn quote you were talking about. It's really, really good. He said, when I first got into this coaching gig, I got the most out of players out of fear. But over the years, you get a little more mature and realize getting to know the players, being more relational, goes a long ways with these guys. And he said, I can coach them. They give me permission to coach them. A lot of players really never give you permission to coach them. When they know you and they trust you, you can coach the hell out of them. If they don't know you, then everything they say is an attack. But if they know me, it's a challenge. The first thing you have to do is relate to these guys and get to know them. They don't care what you know until they know that you care. Really powerful.
0: I love that. I love that. That. Honestly kind of blew me away. I mean this is somebody that I mean you remember that Hard Knocks, I mean everybody that watched it. And for those that didn't, this is a this is an austere, intimidating, no-nonsense presence where if he tells you that the timing is one two point five, and then you make your turn. That's you better do that. It's not two point four. It's not two point seven. You do it when you're told to do it, right? You, this this is your footwork on this pass pro play. This is what you have to do here. Coach doesn't like it when if you had, you have your um uh your gloves inside your helmet. Remember, the guys, would do that when they carry their helmets to the field. They they wrap their receiver gloves around that. He doesn't like that, so you don't do that. That was who he was at that point, right? And that's fine. There's a, Bill Parcells ruled through intimidation and fear and an iron fist for his whole career was pretty damn successful. A million ways to skin a cat. But that evolution and hearing him talk about Mike Leach and touches and things, that's, that was pretty profound as far as I'm concerned. I was pretty impressed. Man. How about
2: this? Uh, Anthony Lynn on Grant and Danny just a few minutes ago. The best thing coaches can do is get the best players on campus. You get them on campus, then you figure out how to use them. I'm not one of these guys who says, this is my system, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not that cookie cutter. Give me the best players, then I'll figure out how to use them. So don't expect him necessarily to have the same exact run scheme as he had in Detroit or in San Francisco. What's Brian Robinson good at? What's he bad at? Let's draw things up around that. Uh, But that was a great conversation. If you missed any of it, you can grab the podcast at thefandc.com. Uh, we have had some good conversations over the years with Anthony Rendon. Also some awkward ones and some where he was pretty clearly not interested in talking to us. Uh, he's just a, a interesting cat. He's a yeah. different kind of guy. But the part of his charm, if I can say that, I never really found it that charming or lovable. But part of the bit with Anthony Rendon over the years when he was with the Nationals was that his teammates routinely talked about how little he enjoyed baseball. How, for him, he just happened to be great at baseball, but this was a job. And he's been the same guy since day one forever and yeah. ever and ever. He, he hasn't changed. He, he talks about how he does this because he makes good money, and he has other interests, and it's not even his favorite sport. He doesn't watch baseball, and he doesn't care about baseball. These are things he's been saying for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But it's coming to a head a little bit right now.
0: Yeah, when, when when you're good and an MVP candidate or you know starring for a 95-win team or winning a World Series, it's charming. When you played, you know, forty-one games and are hitting your body weight, it doesn't come off. Real good.
2: Here's the problem: is he never plays? He's not yeah. available. He's hurt all the time. And so, when you come out and talk about baseball not being a big priority for you, and you're making a two hundred forty-five million dollars fully guaranteed contract, yeah. fans who don't know you as the twenty nineteen World Series. Dominant player for Washington The guy that helped carry them throughout the playoffs You're just the guy who's been a disaster Of a contract You're just the guy who's been a huge disappointment Who's underperformed, who's rarely available And now you're saying Into a microphone publicly Baseball's not that important to me It's just not great From an optics standpoint Josh. But this was Rendon with the LA Media At spring training this week Is it still a top priority for you that's never been a top
1: priority for me. This is a job. So I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my
2: family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? Do you want to be here? I, I don't
1: want to talk to you guys at <laughs> seven in the morning or whatever <laughs> time it, it, it is. <laughs> so,
2: you, I mean, do you want I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have you
1: answered your question. So why do you keep picking at it?
2: Oh, yeah, you <laughs> technically answered it. Thank you. <laughs> He has been consistent on this. Yeah, every step of the way. Some of the Angels media that are hearing some of these things for the first time, I guess, are are taken aback, just like we were to an extent at one point in time. Like when my quarterback says this, I'm going to take issue with it for the record. <clears throat> when Anthony Rendon or, or you know traditional player at a different position or you know, there's no real comp, I don't think, in baseball to the quarterback. Maybe a starting pitcher or something like that, but. This guy was born with an innate ability to barrel baseballs. He was born with a 99.9th percentile ability with quick wrists that are lightning fast Mm -hmm. and and hands that are sent from the heavens to strike a baseball. I don't know. He might be the hardest worker in the world. I'm not really sure. I wasn't privy to – being around him in the clubhouse. What I, In terms of the, the workouts, we yep. just saw him from a media standpoint. Never really enjoyed the media element. That's not fun for him. You kind of heard that there. Uh, he's at times really annoyed and frustrated. We saw him like slap at a fan, remember, last year. Yeah. He had to come out and apologize. He is a I'm-just-here-because-I-can-make-a-lot-of-money-doing-this-thing guy. And there are people, by the way, that are clocking in and working at a gas station or at a restaurant or maybe in radio that feel the same way about their job, where they're going, I'm here for a paycheck. And that is Anthony Rendon's basic thought on baseball. But the one thing I will say in his defense, while I am readily admitting that it does not look good when you're underperforming, making a ton of money, constantly hurt, and it obviously creates the the question as to how hard are you trying to get back, how hard are you trying to to be healthy and to keep yourself from getting injured. I, I get how that can be led to by these comments, he has been this guy the whole time. When he was an all-star, when he was leading the Nets in 19, when he was crushing the Astros in the World Series, he would leave the field, go talk to his wife and his kids, turn on a movie or watch the NBA and not think about baseball again until he got to the park. He has said the exact same thing since his rookie year.
0: And, and you know, it reminds me, it's different, obviously, but it reminds me of Mandy Ramirez or, or, you know, a million other guys where it's charming, where you could sort of shake your head and go, how do you you don't love baseball and you just hit three nineteen with thirty four homers and one hundred twenty six RBIs and forty four doubles, leading baseball for a World Series champion, and it's just something that you do, right? The things that come first are family and friends and and your faith and being able to live your life, and it's a vehicle, right? If I was great at who knows what at architecture and could make all the money in the world, but I didn't love it, I loved this or I loved you know coaching kids or something like that, it would be a vehicle for me to do that. But it's hard for us as fans and consumers of sports. When somebody gets to play a kid's game and they make more money than we'll all see in our entire lives to hear someone say they don't give a damn about it, it it's a processing thing that we, that we short-circuit when we hear it. Which
2: I think can be true, and so can I'm – not, I'm not belittling the fans, but mm-hmm. like – Tough, you know, you get what totally I'm saying? Totally, like, of course I do. And I don't mean it in that way, but my point is, like, yes, it is a reality that for me, as a fan of baseball, knowing this guy makes 245 million dollars for a contract, he is not going to get close to living up to right. that. Like, this thing's not that important to him. Like, that's annoying. But there, there is a there are radio people like that make hundreds of millions of dollars who don't put in work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like they're, they're the high I don't know who they are now but when, when satellite radio or something hires some person and makes the whole thing about them and it's like are are they putting in the same hours they once did? Like I don't know, but I guess for me uh, I just hope people understand he's not now not caring because of injuries or because oh I got paid. So That's kind of how Angels fans, I think, are taking it as, oh, my goodness, this guy got his money. Baseball's not important to him anymore. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is what we were dealing with. And I never found it cute, by the way. Like, everyone's like, oh, Tony, two bags. He likes basketball better than baseball. Like, it was such a fun, like, prideful thing among his teammates about how little he cares about baseball. And it's like, that was never for me, by the way, nor was his general interactions with the media for the most part. But damn, I loved him as a player. Sure. Unbelievable talent. And it's Manny being Manny syndrome, as I like to say. Exactly. Like when you're hitting 40 bombs and hitting 340.
0: Don't cash your paycheck. You know, pushing traveling
2: secretaries (laughs) and the green monster to go to the bathroom. It's all well and good. But when you're hitting 206, all of a sudden things become issues for people.
0: Yeah, it becomes aggravating. I mean, I always felt like you know, we got along as well as, as anybody was going to get along with him in terms of the media, right? But Because we yeah, weren't grinding we every was, day. I'm He's not acting like, like he was
2: not bad to us, but he was begrudgingly like, I'm just here so I don't get fined, guy. Yeah. He was never – like he did a couple nice things for us when we went over to the Nats Youth Academy and he yep. sat down with us. I remember it was pulling teeth to try to get him to talk for three minutes at, at like the, the, World Training, the World Series or whatever. Yeah. And, and he doesn't owe me anything, but like it, it, the whole time he's it, you're, he's clearly doing you a favor as he's like, I don't know, I, you know, it's just, just like. Want
0: to win? Want to play? He, yeah. he, he's
2: not, he doesn't want to do it, and he doesn't have to want to do it. But th- th- like there was never any reason why. All you had here was everyone loving you <laughs> and just wanting to tell you you were awesome. And he was just like kind of over it. Yeah.
0: While it was going great, all I could do was shake my head, but I did care about baseball. I loved it so much. I, I would have given anything to have his ability, right? As, as, and how many millions of people can share that story? I just wasn't good enough. I wasn't close to as good as this guy was. And so now when it's going bad and he signed that deal, it's hard for me to have sympathy for him. But at the same, but the, the other side of the coin is you are hundred percent right that this has not, this has always been this way. Yeah. The only thing that's changed is his play.
2: I don't sympathize. Like, there's nothing to have sympathy for. Yeah. I don't know if it sounds like it or not. I am a Rendon guy in that he's one of the great ballplayers in that's history. Yeah. And he brought the 2019 season. He was as instrumental probably as anybody in doing that. Grant and Danny on the fan, taking you up to 630 this evening. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan out in Ashburn at the Commander's Trading Facility. I'm joined by Ben Standing of The Athletic here in just a moment, who we just tracked down. Awesome day for the media to get to chat with some of the new assistant coaches. Good idea by the uh, Commander's staff, and I'm sure um, all the way up top, you know whether it's Peters and Quinn, to kind of you know, just put some faces with some names of some of the new hirees uh ben you were in the bubble kind of making the rounds with the new staff what do you make of the crew that dan quinn put together
1: well first off good to see you guys in you person. as well hey body um hopefully i sound as good as david Aldridge did yesterday when he called in with your zoom But uh, when i by the way i heard that myself i was like is uh, DAM well, studio well oh, that is be- crisp yeah yeah
2: <laughs> I, we should never do a phoner again he's <laughs> like i'm very sorry my phone's broken I was like i will personally break everyone's phone <laughs> if the interviews sound this good uh, it was it, awesome it sounded amazing
1: um yeah we had a chance you know the, the i don't know what you guys uh, shared but like you know they they had a in the practice bubble they had tables set up for each of the main coaches and you know sort of in a rectangle shape and just kind of got a chance to bounce around talk to as many guys as as, as I could this is really for me i think for others. A FaceTime situation. It yeah. was, this was not about how you know. How is uh, Tom Donatel going to help Emmanuel Forbes improve this year? They they are, they are all still very much learning everything. Who who's on the team? You know what, what what makes them tick? That you know even just like what does Dan Quinn want? You know what what is he looking for for his defense for 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 the players? Like what what is it that he actually looking for? So yeah, but like everybody seemed to be happy. I mean it, it, it's. One thing that was noticeable was this is new, right? This is a brand new thing they're just starting. Whereas, obviously, the last year, everybody kind of had a feeling that, that they, it might go sideways. And, you know, the mood is very different. Everybody's starting a new job, and they're all happy to be here. And, um, I, I, you know, that much, if nothing else, was, you know, was notable.
2: Best hire they made outside of the coordinators?
3: Oh, good
1: question. I mean – I guess I, I I'm kind of intrigued by Jason Simmons, uh, the uh, past game coordinator for the defense. You know, the Raiders had a really good defense last year. He was part of that, and you know the the with Quinn and Joe Witt, like there, you know, Dallas had a ton of takeaways. They, they led the league in takeaways, twenty one to twenty two. They had a, a defensive back the first in in the last twice the last three years who led the league in interceptions. Um, so they're going to be involved but i don't know something about the Simmons he and wit work together in green bay there's some familiarity and so if they think he could help them because i just think like the secondary i feel like that's the spot where this team can grow the most with what is already here because you have forbes and Quan martin and Derek forrest was hurt most of last year and percy butler and benjamin st Just and We'll see what else they do. I feel like there—that's where there's more to go. So I'm intrigued by the idea that they have these coaches, and if they think that Simmons can help in that regard, then you know that—that that, that intrigues me.
0: Ben, there's some guys that we know from kind of around the league. David Pritchard's been here, but Ken Norton has experience at a high level, and uh, you know Anthony Lynn certainly was on Hard Knocks, and we have some experience there. Give me a guy that, that stood out to you just now in your conversations. We only got a chance to talk to a few guys before we had to kind of sneak back here and do this little radio show sort of thing. Uh, but you had more time over there. Who stood out to you? You went, okay, that was impressive. I'm going to file that away.
1: Well, obviously, you guys heard the Joe Witt press conference, and, you know, you, I think you tweeted like you're ready to run through a wall. Dude's yeah, awesome. he cut a promo. Uh, a- a- Anthony Lynn had some of that vibe. I mean, obviously, it was a different setup, but, like, you know he's been around. He's been a head coach. He's done this thing for a while. He's not afraid to eat. like, he's not worried what we all think he's just going to be who he is. And he's clearly a guy that's got a lot of those, uh, a lot of energy, a lot of motivation vibes. And, uh, and look, he's had, to, you know, he's had to be the guy in front of the room. He's had to be the one to motivate. And he was just on a team that went to the Super Bowl. So clearly there's a lot there. How it all works is what I'm intrigued by. How does it, how does the, you know his him as a run game coordinator. How does that fit with what Cliff Kingsbury's doing, what Brian Johnson's doing, etc.? Um, but in terms of the energy, I th- that definitely stood out. I would also say you know Tavita Pritchard's back. When he when it was announced that you know he he impressed them in their interview to stay, I thought you know what that's so obvious. He was so good when we spoke to him last year. And look, he's a former quarterback who went to Stanford. Like that, it's a smart guy at a position that you have to talk. Right, like you, you have, you have to communicate not just with your teammates but with media or whatever at a Pack Ten, Pack Twelve school. So he is very good. I mean, you guys public wise don't get to hear him much, or, unless the ones or so times he comes in with uh, with us in the media room. But he he's a really really good communicator. And look, obviously they they wanted him to stay.
2: Yeah, that was the first time I chatted with him today. And I came away very impressed. You understand why a guy like that can be held over. Uh, Less than a minute left. Ben Standing of The Athletic, I just want to get your take on it. We'll talk about this 100 more times a bunch of different ways. If you had to guess right now, do you think it's more likely that they trade up, trade back? Obviously, staying put is most likely. But of those two, trade up, trade back, where would you go?
1: I'm afraid to say trade up. You'll turn a whole segment into it. Uh, hey, you should, you said. It only happened said. this week. <laughs> you said what you said? Um, you
2: said they should consider trading they up? They should
1: trade everything and everyone to trade yeah. up.
2: I think you said trade said the it. farm. Uh, you painted your fingernails Caleb Williams letters just so that you can know. Well,
1: uh, th- just to be clear, the audience is, I am literally wearing a USC hat today.
2: Oh, wow. Which is
1: not intentional. It has nothing. Are you a
2: USC mark? Um.
1: Because like I was a Maryland fan growing up, but obviously Maryland was never a big deal. So USC was sort of the national
2: team. I didn't know Plus, that. Wow. And, and I
1: really do like like if if the commanders this is not burgundy gold, it's Cardinal and Gold, I think. I like this color. And when I was just out in LA this year, I, I I bought the hat.
0: Hold it's on, who's signatures under that cap? Does that say Caleb Williams? That's the <laughs> Is it signed by? Yeah.
2: And Wait, is that Cliff Kingsbury? Oh, my God. Look, flip that hat over. Did you see there was a cha- Caleb Williams trading card inside that That's so that hat? crazy. That's embarrassing. Wow. It's
1: sewed <laughs> in. Um, I, I would, if you made me pick one of those, I would trade down. I just think that, like, the haul that they could get, if they could get the RG3 trade, you know, uh, swap the first, two more first, and then a second and whatever else. Boy, I, I think that could be really interesting for where they are. I mean, then I'm, what do you do at quarterback? Well, I get that. But, like, you know, let's say they trade to Atlanta at eight. Is it possible that one of these quarterbacks is even there? Or I don't know where they're at on J.J. McCarthy, but some people like him. It's a. This was one of the things that Ron Rivera would say a lot that I believe, but I didn't believe it in the context of, sort of what they were going to do here. See where your feet are. <laughs> that is, you can build the, the <laughs> roster and fit the quarterback in later. So if you don't love Drake Mayer-Daniels, I, I don't think it's the bad idea. Staying at two is the most logical one. But I'm saying if you make me pick up or back, I think I would go back, get as much stuff as I can get, and then keep building
2: that way we'll see how we can twist that into yeah i look forward to it (laughs) we got to do a couple
1: segments
2: (laughs) uh one of the most unfathomable friend requests ever said we just can't believe it directly tied to this radio program just unthinkable next on grant and danny
3: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what